Welcome to the Taking the Lead podcast, where we empower people to be unstoppable. I'm Christina Hepner with my co-host, Leslie Hoskins, and we're missing Timothy Cuno today because he's on a trip. But you, I'm here. You are here. I'm Shocker. here. <laughs> <laughs> it's like everybody's always on a trip. I will be taking trips one day. Okay. Maybe. And you guys will be like, guess what? Listen, I'm actually delighted. I don't have any trips really on the calendar. Nothing more than just day trips. So yeah. I'm actually really looking forward to that. The well, travel has been, you know, wonderful, but yeah, I'm ready to be home. <laughs> well, I think we mentioned this probably a few weeks ago. I can't even remember now, but um, your birthday That's is right. coming up, but it's also the day of a very fun event at Leader Dog. I do appreciate that you put my birthday first. Yes. You know, <laughs> I, I was waiting for you to be like, excuse me. <laughs> yes. Bark and Brew is happening <laughs> uh, June 10th. We're super excited about it. I just kind of saw like the layout today of where everything's going to be. And I am pumped. It's going to be the best birthday party ever. Yeah. <laughs> where, where's the, where's your cake and candles going? Do you know? I did ask and inquire about that, but I think it's going to be like a surprise. Oh, is it? Yeah. That's my understanding because okay. it wasn't on the layout, which was weird. But Well, I hope uh, people, whoever's in charge is listening to this yeah. episode. And oh, I like, talked to him directly. Okay. I've got it in. All right. <laughs> well, on top of that, we also have the 5K but it's very cool because this 5K is also being offered virtually. So if you cannot come um, to Rochester, Michigan, Rochester Hills, Michigan area, um, you can actually run it. You can sign up the same way. You'll get a t-shirt um, and you use the hashtag BarkBrew23 cool. and you can run it virtually and kind of put your journey on social media. Yeah. I don't know why I forgot what I was about to say about yeah. social media. It's what I do every day. I know, but that's really cool. So people can still <laughs> participate. Of course, we're going to be having fun in person at the event that follows the 5K, but it's it's nice that everybody else can join yeah. too. Well, and you can, you know, if you're not in the area or, you know, you can run and then maybe go to your own local brewery or something yeah. if that's your thing or go get a coffee or whatever it may be and just... Keep celebrating yourself that day, yeah. you know? Or me. Celebrate me. Or celebrate <laughs> Leslie. <laughs> I'm just kidding. She wants the hashtag to be Leslie's birthday. Yes, I think so. Let's see which one wins, everybody. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I wouldn't even know how to begin to check that. Yeah, I'm super pumped about the event. Steven was showing me the layout and there's going to be, you know, music and food and drinks and lots of kid activities. I know yeah. I love to bring my family, my kids. Um, I think my in-laws and parents and, you know, friends are going to come too, which yeah. will make it a really great day. I'm looking yeah. forward to it. Well, and last year was my first time going to Bark and Brew and we're at a different location this year. Mm -hmm. Actually, I kind of like the location better because... It's kind of we're in the center of Rochester and like it's just so walkable in that area too. But what was so cool to me last year, since it was my first time at that event, just seeing like how much there was for everybody. Like even if beer isn't your thing, there yeah. was so many other things to do and like the music was great. My parents were dancing and I have so many videos of them. They're, I'm, I'm saving them, you know, for like. <laughs> Christina climbed already. the rock wall. I did climb the rock wall. We'll see if that happens again. I'm already getting, you know, Steven's already like making me bets on like oh what gosh. I'm going to do this year. So I think it'll be fun. I'm really looking forward to it and hopefully we'll have good weather and people will come out and enjoy it and it's all for a good cause. Yeah. Awesome. Well, 
that's what we've got going on in June, June 10th. But right now, today with us, our guest has participated in several leader dog programs and recently was on campus receiving a leader dog. Yes, and I had the opportunity to chat with her. Juanita Lilly resides in Northeast Michigan and says the programs at Leader Dog has enhanced her confidence and independence, not only in daily travel, but travel throughout the United States. Juanita, it's so nice to have you on the podcast today. Yes, thank you for joining us. Thank you. Yes, would you mind just telling us a little bit more about yourself? Absolutely, yes. Of course, the first question people I'm sure want to know is, how much vision do you have? (laughs) Disability. (laughs) Well, I think that's a perfect place to answer that here. But all jokes aside, I think that is one definitely one of the questions I had to get used to saying, hey, it's not your business when I'm just trying to take my adventure down the street or to a restaurant or on my travels regardless, because. I've been legally blind since birth. Mm-hmm. I have a hereditary eye condition. And essentially, just to summarize, I my first program at Leader Dogs was the youth programs where I applied to receive a trekker. And that moment was truly life-changing. Um, I went through visual loss in middle school. I was using some print, different color contrast, different things. I was also utilizing the cane reluctantly. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But, hey, you know, I'm sure many people can relate. Absolutely. Yes, exactly. But I was very fortunate to have services, whether it's counseling services, orientation, mobility, and um, services by a teacher consultant for the visually impaired in my school district. So I was very fortunate for that. But I remember one day my O&M orientation and mobility instructor was like, hey, uh, you should apply for a trekker because I really love technology and I like to walk around and things like that. And to be honest, I was having challenges during that experience um, or during that time frame where it was more difficult for me to accept using the cane. Mm-hmm. So I, of course, applied, but, you know, me, I like to do things at the last minute. I submitted my essay at 4.59 that evening when it was due at 5, but hey, <laughs> it was on time. Oh, yeah. goodness. Uh, yeah, so that happened, and it was great. I definitely enjoyed. I remember working with Erica, which was, she was amazing and is amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then working with other individuals, such as Barry and um, other staff members. And it was a beautiful experience. Yes. A, because I was able to be with other youth going through similar experiences. And it's very nice because just like anything else in life, just because one thing might be challenging for you, it may not be challenging for somebody else and vice versa. So it was very nice to share different experiences and coping mechanisms and things like that. But more importantly, it was a lot of fun to do several activities. For example, playing Foursquare outside and <laughs> doing the tandem stuff. So I remember all that. It was a yeah, lot of fun. That's very cool. Um, but then fast forward, I did some traveling uh, abroad when I was in college. Oh, very fun. Costa Rica. Yep, it was beautiful. 
But the one thing they don't teach you in O&M is how to obtain a new cane in a foreign country. <laughs> oh, yeah. We, we always <laughs> skip that lesson somehow. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So I actually lost my cane in the ocean. Oh, my, oh my gosh. gosh. So <laughs> I, I was a deck over the ocean and, you know, the poles, right, those tall umbrellas. Mm. My cane went down in the middle of that hole. Oh However, my gosh. I just have wonderful friends that are like, I'll go get it. I'm like, Mm-mm. it is dark. It is nighttime. I would never make anyone go down the water without seeing what's down there. Yada, yada, yada. Not being familiar yeah. with the experience. I'm like, no, it's not worth it. <laughs> um, but so I did obtain a cane. But what was more interesting was that the cane type was different. The way oh. they measured the cane was different from the U.S. The cane type was way different, but so much better in that type of terrain. There was hmm. so many uneven sidewalks, so many holes within the sidewalks, so much like more trash and things like that. Obviously not as clean as the uh, majority of the sidewalks in the U.S., um, but it was it was a very interesting experience. Wow. Um, it sounds like it. I don't that, think... I've encountered that before in my my years of O&M. I haven't heard that story before, but good to good to know and to think about. And yeah, that is quite interesting that they were uh, kind of issuing a cane based on their environment. You yeah. know, mm-hmm. um, we always think about how fast a person walks, how tall they are, and things like that. Um, but yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, and yeah, um, it's very cool. I know you kind of touched on the technology, but for people who don't know, what is a um, Tracker, is that what you called it? Yeah, tracker. So it's basically like a GPS system that had like a layout for a screen reader on it for people who are blind or low vision or visually impaired. And it was basically, it's kind of like the tracker breeze um, that they do uh, in the, Vic, the, what is it that they give us? The uh, Victor Reader Track. The Victor Reader Tracker. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So. It's, it's sort of like that, but just obviously older technology. Um, but it was a good experience. I mean, I will never forget it. And in fact, that is the experience that empowered me to return back to Leader Dogs in 2017. I knew um, later on that I wanted a dog, but during that 2013 experience in Costa Rica in Panama, when I lost my cane, I went from I don't want to use it to, oh my goodness, what am I going to do without it? Yeah. Um, so that that was an interesting adventure. And then fast forward a couple of years, like 2015-ish, that's when I really lost my vision more. I was not able to read large print. In fact, I remember applying for grad school and be like, hey, I would like things in large font, yada, 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 which they were able to do perfectly. But then a couple months later, I was like, oh, I can't read this. Um so then I had to learn like quickly how to use the screen reader, teach myself on how to do that with more advanced keyboard commands. But it was it was a difficult experience, but very fortunate to have friends that were supportive. Yeah. I won't forget the moment when I went to a friend, to another friend's house who um, had a rescuing uh, dog business, did boarding and breeding. And that is the moment that really, I felt like empowered me to get a dog, a guide dog, because she's like, why? Well, Juanita, why aren't you 
have you ever applied? Have you ever considered? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know much about dogs. And she's like, hey, it's okay. She's like, I know somebody and I know of the experiences. We can look things up. Let's do things together. And I did. And But it was amazing. I got to see the puppies re, uh, excuse me, be, the puppies be born at her house. I got to learn a little bit about the care. You would never guess there's so many dogs in her house. It was so clean. It was it smelled very good, so therefore, it was great. I was like, well, I got a good person in my hand. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I applied 2017. I applied, submitted my application. I also went to class on campus, and that experience, again, was wonderful. Um, yeah. I got leader dog Baylor, and again, I was like, oh, I feel more confident now that I had the experiences and the support from my friends and family, and more importantly, the individual who showed me a lot about dogs that I was yeah. certainly hesitant about. That's and of course, when I was younger, I'm like, I don't want a dog. I don't want to pick up this poop. <laughs> <laughs> that is not the fun part. I will tell you that But for you sure. can't drop no, a dog down no. a hole on a, a boardwalk. So you know what? <laughs> exactly. That is a good positive. We, we always talk like, about the pros and cons. I've never considered exactly. that before. Can you knock on wood on that one? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Just... Don't go knocking any dogs or fall, <laughs> yeah. any dogs falling through holes <laughs> exactly exactly so that adventure happened but I as you guys mentioned I was recently on campus and yeah. that was honestly because Baylor was an early early retiree he yeah. was medically career uh medically retired rather and it also could have been attributed to COVID yeah we, yeah like the trainer said we could talk all day was it behavioral was it medical was it we can talk all day but the point is is that I'm not safe and I'm not being independent and I'm having to adapt my uh, schedule to him and yeah, that's yeah. not the mission and vision of leader dogs yeah and that's um, so important that they're so our trainers they're so good at that they're good at being honest and open with you know why a change needs to happen correct exactly and I remember calling kind of panicking and I knew deep down I'd be like Baylor you're gonna get fired (laughs) (laughs) but I it was of course with jokes and things like that but I knew I had that gut feeling he was gonna be retired because it was very problematic when he would stop in the middle of what's considered a highway up here in Alpena and he would just stop in the middle of the street he would just I'm like no no we cannot do that that's not safe (laughs) um but so that happened. He's happily, he's very happy now. Uh, he's with some friends of mine, a family who has another black lab, and Aww. he's happy. He's very content. He loves it. it. And that's another thing that I didn't realize. Like when I went over to visit, I was like, "Oh, let's see how he's going to react." It made my heart smile when he wasn't interested in me because he was so interested in the other black labs, so interested in the owners that. The, have him now and it's just interesting um, he's very content yeah and that's um, got to be a tough decision to make and then also to know you're you know you decided to give the dog to a friend and I know a lot of our clients probably do the same where they're like you know I can't keep the dog once it's retired as a pet dog because they might want to come back for another leader dog so that's you know really great to hear that the dog you know adapted so well to your um, friend's home Exactly. And another thing that I didn't really think about was also, fortunately, my friends were able to support him financially. Mm Because unfortunately, in 2019, late 2019, early 2020, 
he had to go down to MSU, Michigan State University, to the vet clinic there. And I was in conversation with the veterinarians on staff at Leader Dogs. And he had a lot of health issues. And But I met these friends that I've that um, has him now through Lions. And I joined Lions because I know how instrumental Lions is um, to Leader Dogs. And I was at that. Um, phase in my life where I'm like, okay, I want to give back. I want to do some donations to leader dogs. I want to do things like that. But I was very fortunate to be able to connect with them through Lions and then get that support to go downstate and deal with things like that. Um, And I'm very fortunate to have an employer that allows me to take time off for a service dog. Yeah. Um, Which is, yeah. So I was very lucky in that terms of that. But then I came back in 20, I was expected to come back because of his health in 2019. I also, again, had a significant amount of um, vision loss and to the point it's not usable. So I was like, oh, I'm not very good with the cane. I haven't used the cane in a while. So I did the orientation mobility um, refresher uh, course, and that was phenomenal. That was Great being able to work with Baylor, also being able to work solely with the cane and do things like that. That that or OM experience was phenomenal because I did not have the tendency to want to rely on my vision. I was able to get all the tips from Tommy um, that was shared to me and it was phenomenal. So then after that I came back. He retired a month after that O and M class actually. He retired a month after in 2021. Uh, no, 2022. Sorry, a year later. Okay. A year later. Um, and then I came back to get a second dog um, in September of 2022. But unfortunately, that dog did not work out um, because of all his health issues and yeah. all his medical issues, which I was like, oh, no, this is not exciting. I was like, oh, no. I felt bad for the dog. Yeah, I did not know what to do. Um, Juanita, what was that experience like for you? Because that doesn't, it happens, but it doesn't happen, you know, with everybody, you know, was your DDMI supportive during this? Because obviously you had to wait a little bit longer than to come back and get matched with the dog you have now. So what was that like for you kind of going through that transition? Yeah, so it was frustrating, honestly, and emotional um, because we don't talk about it in the classes very much um as first-time handlers they talk about it with the transitions um but it wasn't really spoken much about it but my gdmi were very supportive and i also expressed my experience to leader dogs and i've seen enhancements that leader dogs has done for example they've added a paragraph regarding hey this may not work out and I know that has already been instrumental because I had to come back um, in January to get my current dog. And I had people discussing, oh, well, they added a paragraph. I never thought of it. And I'm like, yeah, you never think of it. Mm-hmm. It, it was hard. I, I will never forget when Dr. Wilson came in to the um, residence office there and I was with Rio, which Rio was fortunately able to go back to his puppy raiser. But I was with Rio, and even though we were a team for solely two and a half days, you get that bond. Yeah. 
Um, and I was beyond emotional. I was crying. I was in tears because I felt bad for him because I, I remember talking to my instructor. I'm like, Oh, his nose is dry. He's drinking an excessive amount of water. His poop is X, Y, Z. And honestly, I think I was having flashbacks to Baylor's experience. Um, and, but again, very supportive. The instructors are all very supportive. The client services, and as I tell people, you just don't know about the experiences and things like that until you know. Um, and because, like I said, we didn't really talk about it in classes, but I know it was discussed more um, once I came back for That's definitely one of those situations that it doesn't happen often, but it does happen. And it's good to be prepared about it and think about it or know that it could potentially happen. Um, So thank you for helping us make those changes because I think that's important. Feedback is always really important to us, but I'm glad you had a positive experience and ultimately a positive outcome. Do you mind telling us a little bit about your current guide dog and how you two are working together now? Of course, yeah. So yeah, no, I absolutely agree. It's definitely communication, be able to work with one another. um, And it's it's been a phenomenal experience. And it's also talking about things like with um, how to take, like what information you should have to take to the vet like for overnight care. Because I remember when Baylor was in the vet's office and they called me and said, well, he hasn't relieved himself. I'm like, oh, did you tell him to park? <laughs> and they literally hung up the phone, told him to park, and he finally went. <laughs> That's so uh, funny. So, But it's just different things like that. But with the current dog, um, came back in January, and Rezzy is doing great. She's a golden lab cross, and we are doing phenomenal. We actually took a couple local trips and more recently took a trip to Florida. So it's been fun. It's been a lot of fun. That's wonderful. I'm curious, too. I want to go back to the very beginning of our conversation because you said something that was quite interesting to me um, and something that somebody else recently brought up to me. And we haven't had an opportunity to talk about it. And sometimes maybe it's difficult to talk about. But you had mentioned um, as you were getting started about your vision and how, you know, it took you a while to get used to that and telling people, you know, it's not your business and you don't have to explain blindness all the time. And I think that's something that, you know, maybe we don't talk about, but why do you think people in the public feel like they that you owe them this explanation? Because so, for example, um, I was speaking with a client and she was sharing with me frustration that she has every time she meets somebody. And, you know, their first questions are always just all about blindness in general. And she has to explain to them, you know, how she got there, how she put on her makeup, how she... Um, you know, how to clean up after her dog and all these things about just being blind before ever asking a question about her, her personally, mm-hmm. who she is, what she does, why she does yep. it, where she came from. I just want to, I, I want to chat about that because we weren't able to chat about it previously and you brought it up again. And I, I think it's a really important topic for people to think about and consider before, yeah. you know, asking some of those questions and, and when meeting somebody. You know, I absolutely agree with you. I think, I mean, you could look at it from many angles. Mm -hmm. Some people might see it as, how could I support you? Some people could see it as, I just want to be nosy and I don't really care what your thoughts are because you're blind, you're different, so therefore I should know. I should be entitled. Mm -hmm. While maybe another perspective is they're interested and they've never been around a blind person. And I've seen all those perspectives. 
Um, but wait, for me, it's also very frustrating when you get compared to other blind individuals. Actually, I was in a conversation recently and I was like, whoa, the difference in the experiences that I have are going to vary from what they or you or someone else will have because we are two different people. We are not the same. Mm-hmm. So I don't, it's hard. I think a lot of people are interested, but a lot of people think is they're entitled to it. But I, as I said, obviously more than happy to share this experience here because I, it's a platform where I think it's essential to talk about it. Yeah. But at the same time, when I'm walking down the street on a three, four mile walk, no, if that's all you're going to ask me, no, forget you. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that can be exhausting if you just want to go on a walk with your leader dog or you're just, you know, trying to go about your daily activity and having so many people just stop you. Um, when you're just trying to get from A to B and you're not, you know, it's not something that you brought up that you wanted to talk about. So I can't even exactly. imagine. I think it's interesting, exactly. too. You brought up all the different perspectives and reasons. You know, I think most people are coming from a good place, right? They want to learn more. They want to understand what it is that people who are blind or visually impaired are going through or how they live life. And I think that's a positive thing, right? And it's an opportunity to educate. But I do think that it's something to be talked about and recognizing that people are people first, right? Like you're Juanita first and then you happen to be blind. So making sure that they're taking an opportunity to get to know you. And of course, yeah, I mean, if it's appropriate, ask some questions and take it as a learning opportunity. But I think just bringing it up in conversation and thinking about it and having a perspective from both angles is helpful. So I really appreciate you bringing that up. It's a topic that has been on my mind and something, you know, I hadn't really considered before somebody else had brought it up previously too. And I just think it's a really good topic. It is. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. Because I think it's also about the different perspectives of like, okay, it was just say a piece of paper or a menu and I'd be like, okay, could you tell me X, Y, Z category? Or could you tell me, well, how much vision do you have? Well, no. Can you answer the question? Mm-hmm. Well, what chicken items do you have on the menu? Or what veggie items do you have on the menu? What shrimp items do you have on the menu? Wait, this answers the question. Um, but it's, it's, it's challenging. And I think it's more important for everybody to realize just because one person has one experience does not mean it's going to be the same for the other individual. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a really, really good point. Not everybody is the same. Everybody's coming to it with different visual conditions, yeah. with different experiences and backgrounds. Like you mentioned, you'd had a lot of support growing up and you had services available to you and resources, which is absolutely wonderful. That's not the case that we hear from a lot of people. Um, so everybody's, exactly. you know, just like in life, everybody's bringing a different background yeah. and, and different experiences. So yeah. I really appreciate that. Yeah. yeah, and it's also like my experiences that have allowed me, like for example, going abroad and losing my cane in the ocean or going abroad to a new country, traveling by myself, has taught me to be more independent and advocate for myself. But I'm also very fortunate to have my friends be very direct and blunt with me. Like they will call me out on things where I'll be like, oh, I feel like I can't do this because of my visual impairment or my blindness. And they'd be like, okay, like, 
shake you up and be like, yes, you can. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Those sound like really good friends. Yes. You have a great, it sounds like such a great support system. And, you know, even on this podcast, we have had so many clients and nobody has had the same story. No. People have related to things in different ways, but nobody has had the same story. And I think that is so important. And thank you so much for sharing that with us. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Thank you, Juanita. I can't believe we're already out of time. This went by incredibly (laughs) fast. Um, But thank you so much for joining us today and just sharing about all of your experiences with Leader Dog and just life in general. I think, you know, it's good to learn from everybody. So thank you for sharing. Of course. Thank you all very much. And I hope everyone has fun with the 5k and barking through. Thank you. And thank you so much to our listeners for listening to the Taking the Lead podcast. I'm Leslie Hoskins with host Christina Hepner. We hope you enjoyed learning about Juanita. Please join us next week as we continue to dive into the world of blindness. If you'd like to learn more about applying to our free services at LeaderDog, you can head to leaderdog.org or call us at 888-777-5332. And don't forget, you can reach us at takingthelead@leaderdog.org with any questions or ideas. If you like today's podcast, make sure to hit subscribe and check us out wherever podcasts stream.